The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. To class number five of five, Introduction um, to Mindfulness Meditation. I'm Tanya Weiser, happy to be here, really happy to see many of you back. So we've got a, a, quite a few people who've been here for the whole class and a good number who have, haven't been here. So it will be a, a nice night for all of us. Um, so tonight we're going to kind of do a review and then also we're going to introduce this idea of practicing in daily life. And that's something that's really precious to me and um, I want to encourage um, and inspire, I hope, you by the end of the night to, to think about bringing this practice into more and more parts of your life. So, so one thing I wanted to share was last week I, I was trying to remember a quote. And I didn't, you know, I knew I didn't get the quote right. I summarized the quote, but I have the actual quote. And I actually said that it was by the wrong person. So I am correcting, correcting my uh, information. So it's a quote by Viktor Frankl. And the quote is, between stimulus and the response, there is a space. So between something happening and our responding to it, there is a space. In that space is our freedom. It's our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So let me read that one more time. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I just want to invite you to reflect and see if you think that space for you has been growing over the last five weeks. Have you noticed that there's any more gap sometimes, maybe not all the time, between something happening, a feeling, a thought, an event, internal or external? Has there been a bigger gap for any of you, giving you more possibility, more power to choose your response in life or in meditation. So anybody think there's more more gap, a bigger gap? Yeah? I see heads nodding. Beautiful. So that is a huge gift of meditation. It's one of the most important, really, because again, I love this. In that gap, right, is, is our power. That is our power to choose. We get to choose how we respond. Another thing that I wanted to kind of clarify that I've been noodling a bit is my instructions about um, noting or naming. And um, so when an emotion comes up um, in meditation, I've encouraged us to, to try and find the the right name for the emotion. And the reason for that is that my experience is that when I get the emotion right, something in it shifts. It's like, if it, it, I've got it, oh, I got it, and something clicks. Like, it, there's something really important in that. And what I want to add is that sometimes it's not so clear. 
And so what I don't want those instructions to end up leading people to is sitting there trying to try name after name of emotion and trying to get stuck in figuring it out. But rather just, if you can't, if it's not really clear to you, just say, not clear. And try and just notice what, what the sensation is in the body. Um, or confusion, or uncertainty, so that you don't get stuck, right? You don't get, you don't need to get stuck. It'll come back up. The emotion will come back up, right? My experience is they'll keep coming back up till they, till we've gotten what we need to get from them. Yeah. Okay. Well, so here we go. So normally on a Thursday night, you would come into this room. And it would be quiet. People would be already sitting. They would, um, you know, and they'll trickle in. People trickle in here because it's okay to come late. It's okay to leave early, right? We do what we can. We make the space so we can all sit together as much as we can. So you'd come in. You'd find your seat. Make yourself comfortable. Get your cushions. And then you find a posture. So let's find our postures. And we're going to sit for close to 30 minutes or so. So just to kind of give you a heads up and remind you and encourage you to take care of yourself during that time. It doesn't, it's not important to, to bear through or push yourself, you know, or force yourself to try and do something. Instead, find, find ways to be soft and make it easier for yourself. But be mindful of what you're doing as you're doing it. So as we take our posture, actually, they say that, um, Gil has said, that some of the people that take the longest to find their posture are Zen practitioners who've been practicing the longest. That they really take their time at the beginning. They might rock back and forth and forward and back, just sort of lift themselves up a little bit, you know, just really getting aligned. Feeling your feet, and if the chairs, good, everybody's got, yeah, got their feet on either a cushion or the floor. And as you feel your body settling, you might naturally notice the breath becomes more evident, more present. And as that happens, just connect, feel, and receive air coming in opening and especially in the early beginning part of the meditation with the exhale invite letting go letting go of any unnecessary stress tension planning what's happened before you can you give yourself permission to put it down to be more intimate with yourself how you are here and now your experience here and now. And then take three or four longer, slower, intentionally deeper, fuller breaths.
And just notice if your mind is beginning to settle. If it's having a hard time settling in the beginning of the meditation, you might try simply noting practice with breathing, saying in with the inhale and out with the exhale. And when we say these, when we make this note, we want it to be with a very, almost silent voice, gentle knowing. And as you say in silently, Noticing what the in-breath feels like, how it touches you, how it fills your body, how your body grows and expands. And with the exhale, noting the experience of breathing out, how the air leaves, how the chest and the belly collapse smaller. You might even, with a good exhale, notice the shoulders dropping. Noticing how it's going, how the mind is doing, how the body is doing, and the breath. Is it all working together here? Or is the mind still pulling with lots of thoughts? And if so, consider counting your breaths. Just to give it your focus a little more intention. Counting the breaths just to ten. So counting the inhale. One... And the next inhale, two, and when you reach ten, you just start with one again, and when you get lost, you just start with one again, simple, easy, no problem.
And at some point you can allow the counting to sort of drop away. And if it works for you, allowing the breathing in and out to sort of just stay your home base, your your grounding, your centering spot. And if you notice sensations in the body, you can allow that to become the primary focus until the sensation fades away and just allow the breathing to be that anchor point again. And when you attend to sensations, see if you can just be with them in a very simple way, without the commentator. Just noticing the pulsing or throbbing, the lightness, the flowing, the tingling, warmth or coolness as a sensation, as an experience in our body to be received here and now. If you notice that the sensation is difficult, just notice if you're bracing or pulling away and notice the tension, that tension too in the body. And you may want to breathe with the sensation, into it or with it. You may want to do a gentle scan, sweeping through the body from the head to the toes. And just taking stock of what's happening in this amazing, fathom-long, uniquely your body. Simply, kindly, like a soft touch, Breath and body.
softening around your experience as much as possible. And next we'll add mindfulness of emotions. Just taking a moment to see what emotions are present for you here and now. Looking around, feeling, sensing. And just as you see and connect with the emotions, recognizing them naming them as best you can. And you may notice that you have more than one emotion present. And choosing one or working with the most dominant emotion will use the raft practice So any emotion right now could be fine. Calmness is fine. Sadness, tiredness. Seeing and naming. And so doing, recognizing. And then the A of raft is to accept and allow that this is what you're feeling in this moment. No use fighting what's already here, denying it, pushing it away. What happens if you turn toward it? Accept that it's here. Allow it space. And then find and feel the F in the raft. Find and feel where that emotion 
is living, expressing itself in the body. Not thinking about the emotion, but receiving the felt sense of the emotion. And the fourth step is to tease apart, to recognize what is the simple sensation and experience of the emotion versus what is the commentary, the thoughts, the beliefs, the stories. Can you separate those things out? Let them all be seen. Teasing it apart. And as we tease apart and we recognize the thinking, it's a good time to now bring thinking, mindfulness of thinking into our practice. Recognizing thoughts, which may come in words, images, sounds. And with the thinking, you can now notice there's the thought and there might be an emotion behind or responding, resulting from the thought. Can you find and feel the emotion? And then there's the body, this feeling it in the body. And we still have the breath coming and going. It can be the centering space in the middle of it all. With thoughts, we can just simply label them. It could be a simple label like thinking. If it's helpful, it might be, oh, I'm planning my meal for later. Planning, just simple planning. Or remembering for past or imagining, or fantasizing, something simple, easy, noting. Sort of like turning toward the thought with space and shining a flashlight on it, just for a moment to let it be seen brightly, clearly. And then like the clouds in the sky, allowing the thoughts to drift as they drift. Not needing to get into the cloud, become the thought. Not needing to make it go away. Not needing to own the thought or the feelings. 
It's not my feeling or my thought. It's just a thought, a feeling, a sensation in the body. Expanding and allowing room for all of it to come, be seen, and to go as it goes. Leaning back, sitting down, resting here. Here's an image for you. It's a simile that's used in our teachings. Imagine really comfortable but upright easy chair in the center of a one-room house with doors and windows open And in this meditation, our practice is to take our seat in the easy chair. (coughs) And it's said that the windows and doors represent the six senses. The normal five senses plus the sense door of thinking. And we imagine that the sensations and the sights and the sounds and the thoughts appear in these open windows and doors. And our job is to stay in our easy chair in the center of the one-room house, relaxed and at ease with nothing to do. A cat peeks its head in the door and then goes away. Soon a bird lands on the window seal and then flies away. And then a squirrel runs by. And various animals come and go. And rather than getting up to follow the animal outside or closing the windows or doors. The invitation is just to stay, just stay, just stay in your easy chair and simply watch what comes and goes. 
staying in the easy chair of awareness, letting sensations and emotions, thoughts or attitudes simply appear at the door or window. We notice them come and go. Our emphasis is on being at ease. We're not trying to force our meditation or the visitors to be or do anything in particular. And take a few more longer, slower, deeper breaths. Feel your easy chair resting here. Notice how you're feeling. In body and heart and mind. Just taking your time. Maybe noticing for a moment, how are you feeling now? Is there a difference between how you felt when you came in and sat down at the beginning and how you're feeling now? What are you, what's shifted? 
What are you aware of now that you weren't aware of before? It's taking a moment to savor that and take it in. So, is anybody willing to share any experience that they had or any question or comment that they have about that guided meditation and practice? There's a microphone here and there's one up on the stage. And it's um, an act of generosity to use the microphones and to share with our extended Audio Dharma Sangha, um, and as well as it is a gift to each other to share our experiences here. So we tend to find ourselves through others in some ways. So what you ex- what you share may help somebody recognize something in their own experience, either by identification or contrast. Um, that was a really beautiful meditation. Thank you. Um, I don't feel like the same woman. Um, now that I did when I walked in, just feeling human, you know, and feeling sensitive. And I had so much gratitude with some of the the emotions that I had, just gratitude that I'm here again, that I made a commitment, and I, I stayed, and I've been practicing, and gratitude for IMC and for you being here, available to all of us. And um compassion for myself too so it was um it was wonderful and i loved being in the easy chair and all these little animals and i was very comfortable in in terms of i was warm but there was a little breeze you know and the air was light and um it was wonderful i loved it thank you wendy um i feel that I'm doing this meditation at home, but I feel uh, here is um, the power is stronger and the silence is more and you can feel your entire body and mind is in more peace. I don't know, maybe it's because of all of us at the same time doing this, but I feel that. And um, another thing is I have a a question about like present, past and future, Mm. because um, I was talking with someone about, you know, like some... uh, problems that I have currently and they um, so they're following this Buddhism and meditation and subconscious mind and um, so the thing is is my question is so is it possible that a lot of like bad luck or problems comes from your mind or your childhood uh, 
from your parents or some issue that you had before and then comes to your life again later and become like a very big problem and you need to do like meditation to take this bad luck out that's one question another question is is that about your past life so it is it true that it could be like in our past life let me stop you for a second your questions i love you you ask big questions <laughs> and there's no way i'm going to be able to try and answer the first one when we're going on to the second bigger you know question that wow so can i can we just pause for a minute with and i can try and respond a little bit to the first one i'll do my best <laughs> okay so let me kind of um you know, first I appreciated what you shared about the meditation, you know, and you commented on, you know, how it feels different to come and, come, come and meditate in community. And I think that is a shared experience for many people. And I really do encourage you all to, to you know, come. Come to IMC and sit, you know. And next week, Andrea Fella, who's the one of the two guiding teachers, is here. This is her night when she's not... Um, she does a lot of retreat training, uh, retreat practice teaching. So she's gone um, often doing that. But when she's here, it's such a gift to have her here as a teacher. And um, so I hope I hope you'll come and keep sitting together, you know, and with the sangha. And there's other nights to come. And you know, eventually sitting by yourself can feel as deep as sitting in a community. But there's always something special and very supportive and helpful about being here together. Yeah. Okay. And then the question. Um, so m- one of the primary things I think you were asking about, please let me know if I get it right, is how our past might be affecting our present. Is that correct? Is that too simply stated? Is it too simple or is it okay to say, how is my past affecting my present? Yeah, somehow. Yeah, because I can talk about it from a... So one of the things the Buddha said, right, was about, he talked about karma and karma having to do with Um, our past, right? What we've experienced, what we've been through. But um, he, you know, he said karma has one of four results. You know, um, it can, it can, the effects of our actions can have negative, positive, negative and positive, uh, positive, or like, I don't remember, like this combination of things, but that essentially it's all too complicated for us to try and figure out. Right, so what isn't so useful is um, spending too much time trying to analyze and figure out. Well, this is because my father said this to me when I was five, and that's because my second grade peer did this to me in the playground. 
Now, those things, maybe sometimes it is that clear. You know, sometimes our parents say something that's so clear or something happens to us that it's really obvious the effects of that on us in our lives. But a lot of times it's a cumulative thing, right? It's over time. And, um, and of course, we're conditioned. We're conditioned from birth by the family that we're born into, the socioeconomic status of the family, the racial, cultural aspects of the family, the location of our home, the education of our family. All of these things political views of the family, all of these things condition us. They train us before we even are aware that we're being conditioned, right? We don't choose, we just get. (laughs) And then, you know, often these things get inlaid in us and then we just live live by them. It's a view. Well, people are supposed to put their napkin and forks in here and do this and that's as far as we know that's what everybody is supposed to do because that's what our family did but it's not what everybody does it's what we were taught right but we we kind of start life thinking this is how it is and more more than simple things like how we eat it's about um what's supposed to be right or wrong what feelings are okay or not what we can and can't say you know um, how we treat people, these things, over time we just practice and live them out and they become stronger because we're growing them. The more we do them, the stronger they become and they expand and they have effects. Everything we do has an effect. So it is important to pay attention to what we do and to notice the impact of what we do. And it's probably most important to be aware of that in the present moment, right here and now. Less important to know exactly why or when it started, and more important to just be here and to notice the cause and effect of our current thoughts, feelings, responses, tone of voice, you know, And that we can learn from. We can see this brings suffering or this brings support or this, this, oh, I get tense here and then I freeze up and then I don't have anything to say. Let me just be soft with that. Let me notice this is my pattern. How can I support myself around this? So, how am I doing? Answering your question. Uh... Yeah, I get to some points, but uh, the point is, um, the main question is, what if you you are a good person and you have been good, mm-hmm. and you did a lot of good things, you pray, you try to be a good person in your life all the time, mm-hmm. in any manner, like respect your parents, help friends, whatever you could do. And then, so you think that, okay, so I'm a good person, but who? And at some point, your life is just relaxed or or just okay when you are, for example, in other country. And, for, and then you come, for example, to U.S., and, and your bad luck started, like from the first day you come, and then 
continues something bad another thing happen and then you know it's just keep going on and you think that okay so what did they do i didn't do any anything mm-hmm. why yeah. it's just just continuing it's getting yeah. worse and worse yeah. and what i want to know is that so is is this one could be related to like some anxiety or like mental or something that you got from like childhood or family problem and this just impacts you after a couple of years it comes up and affects you and you need to just meditate and remove this bad luck and don't think about this and then good luck comes to you Mm. yeah i think i think I think the best thing is to stay simple with this question. I think you're asking a really something that can't really be answered, you know, and that um but that it is important to pay attention to what helps you now, what supports you now, what you need now, you know and and to have compassion for what sounds like a very difficult experience mm-hmm. and not you know flat tires happen. It's not the tire's fault, right. Bad things happen to us too, and it's not our fault. Most of the time, it's not our fault. It's just that bad things happen, mm-hmm. and and you know, I think a lot of bad things happen to people here in this culture, and it's really sad, and um, it's not fair, and it's not just, and it's not right, and it doesn't. That it's nobody's. It's not the person's fault who's having bad things happen to them. You know, most mm-hmm. of the time. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, and so what? What we, ha- what we're charged with in this practice is to notice that how do we not? If if a bad thing happens to us, that's like getting shot with an arrow, right? I talked about this simile before. We get hurt. Our tire gets flat. We lose a job. These things happen in life. Our relationship breaks up. You know, these things happen. You know, we do our best, but they happen. Those things hurt. There's no way around it. It's painful. But what do we do? How do we respond to that hurt? Is where we can focus, where we have our power. It's, it's, that's where ev- everything, our freedom, lie. Because if we think, if we get broken up with, right, and we start to say, it's because I'm not pretty enough. It's because I'm not smart enough. It's because I, am, you know, I, I don't cross my T's the right way. It's because my toes are ugly. We can do all of these things and just go on and on. And every one of those things is more pain. We're hurting ourselves more. Or we can say, ouch, this really sucks, this hurts. How am I going to take care of myself? What, how can I get support? You know, what can I do you know, to be here from my own wounding in a kind and helpful way and not add to the pain? Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's what this practice is about. How do we not add to the pain? Right, right. Thank you. Okay. And uh, another question was about the past life. So, is it, you know, I heard that, you know, for example... Some I, I, I'll just stop you there. I don't know. I don't know. 
I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I really don't know. So, yeah. Can you get a microphone? But if it's about past life, we're not gonna see. We're not gonna hypothesize about past lives. We're not gonna f- try and figure it out. So that's not what the class is about, and it's not. That's going into um, things that the Buddha said are not worth talking about because we can't really know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I would just want to, you know. Um, you know, have some, um, you know, share my experience. I think that uh, the question is not really, you know, to answer that question, but, uh, you know, the experience, I think that the past, so we are talking about past, uh, current, and future. So I think that we're all living in a world with, for example, high dimension or four dimensions. So currently we feel in three dimension world and along uh, the fourth dimension is time so our life is moving from past to current now we feel that and in future so if suppose our thoughts is you know our past will have some um, cause effect with our future uh, our current life so I think I may think in a way that uh, you know, I can focus more on my current experience. So, let's say my current experience, w- if that past the host, so my current experience will accumulate and, f- you know, impact on my future's experience. So, so let's, you know, that for me, that I will concentrate on the today's experience and uh, let go of the past. So sometimes, you know, that people feel that this kind of, you know, bad experience like PTSD or maybe, you know, not like in that term, but um, I think that if we, yeah, if we feel we can let it let go and, you know, just, you know, enjoy the life today and, uh, and let the, you know, the teacher side, you know, do the meditation. I think that's a good, pro- uh, good practice, so we can shape our future in the way. Okay, thank, thank you. you. So let's shift a little bit, and um, I'm going to show you something. And show you a flower. See this flower? Oh, it's it's pretty enough, right? Pink and lots of leaves. And um, a little bit of a smell. Now, kind of, would you say it's rather kind of a, a small flower? Yeah. Okay. Is it still a small flower? (laughs) Right? Here's an even smaller flower. So now this small flower somehow isn't so small, is it? Hmm. It's kind of a big flower. 
until now. Now it's a medium-sized flower, right? And so it goes when we compare, we think about things, we reference them against other things, whether it's the future and the past or here and now. We do a lot of comparing. But it's, it, it's not really fair, is it, to the flower to compare it to the other flowers. When this flower is just here, it's quite lovely. It's just this beautiful little flower. But when we compare it to this one, its beauty can get lost because we say, well, this is so much more yellow and so much bigger and I'd rather have that one in a vase on my table. And this one becomes a weed, right? Essentially. And this is what we do a lot in life with our experience, with our emotions, with the friends, with our jobs, with our work. We're constantly comparing But what happens if we just let each thing be what it is? Just enjoy each thing for what it is, its own life, its own form. Letting ourselves be ourselves. Let Tanya be Tanya. You know, let all of us be who we are. That comparing mind... um, also drives a lot of criticism, right? Drives a lot of criticism, a a lot of a sense of not being good enough, not being right, not doing it well enough, and I could do it better, which tends to make us depressed or anxious. So this is, the, the goal of meditation is to learn to be more simply just with, 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 with whatever it is that's happening in a way that doesn't bring in all this commentary and comparing. Um, and for me, kind of one of the emphases of what I've been trying to emphasize, and I don't know if I've done it accurately or correctly or well enough, is to really emphasize our relationship to our experience that how we relate to our experience matters. And if I could say it in the most simple way, I would say how we love our experience. How do we love, bring love to our experience, whatever it is? Thich Nhat Hanh said, um, To love without knowing how to love wounds the person we love. And I think then it's important to think about um, like Eric Fromm as a philosopher and he wrote about the art of loving. And he says that um, the first step is to become aware that love is an art just as living is an art. If we want to learn how to love, we must proceed in the same way we have proceeded if we want to learn any other art, say music, painting, carpentry, or the art of medicine or engineering. The process of learning an art 
can be divided conveniently into two parts. One, the mastery of the theory. The other, the mastery of the practice. So we've been learning the theory of meditation, right? And the practice of meditation. To me, the art is in the loving of our experience in doing these things. And that that's what makes this practice so deeply powerful and transformative. And Eric Fromm goes on to say that um, in the society, very much we don't study the art of loving. We don't learn how to love well. He says, you know, to, to do, get really good at something, it needs to be a matter of ultimate concern, right? We need to really care. And that a lot of the time we don't, have that sense of caring, that commitment of ultimate care. And he said, maybe people in our culture um, try so rarely to learn the art of loving in spite of their obvious failures, in spite of their deep-seated craving for love, because almost everything else is considered to be more important than love. Success, prestige, money, power, Almost all our energy is used for the learning of how to achieve these aims and almost none for the art of loving. So, I want to transition from here to talking about mindfulness in daily life. Because I think that we have an opportunity to practice mindfulness in daily life that, that helps us practice loving in our life, practice loving ourselves, practice being a loving presence. In daily life, there are lots of things that we do all the time that become repetitive and boring and uninteresting. And it can be remarkable to start to shift how we do those things. So I'm going to ask you all to do something with me. So can we all stand up? And I'd like to think you to think about something that you do every day. It's a mundane task. Could be brushing your teeth, could be making coffee, could be making the bed, doing the dishes. Mundane task. Something that you do every day. Can you all bring something to mind? Okay. So we're going to be actors together, silent actors. And we're going to just stand here and act out our mundane task. So for me, I'm going to make coffee. My mug, my cone, the paper filter, putting the coffee in, pouring the water in. Okay? And I'm going to just make my coffee over and over again while you guys do your mundane tasks. Just however you normally do them. Just do them here in front of you in the space around you. Okay? Are you willing? All right, let's do it.
All right, finish up one more round of whatever it is you're doing. Okay. This is something we do every day. All right, now I'm going to ask you to do something very different. Okay? So I want you to bring to mind the quality of courage what it feels like to feel a sense of bravery. How do you feel that in your body? And now I want you to bring to mind the quality of kindness, caring. How does that feel in your body? And now I want you to bring the quality of being aware and wise, seeing things clearly, having lots of room. That pause is huge in you so that if something happens and you have a lot of space between when it happens and how you respond. And how does that feel? So becoming this person who is courageous, caring, and has a lot of awareness and wisdom and just start to move around the room, walking just a few bits and places as this courageous, caring, and wise being. How it feels to walk as this, this kind of person. Courageous. Kind, aware, caring, and come back to your spot. Now, please do your mundane task, but as this courageous, kind, and aware being. So make your coffee, your bed, your brush, your teeth with courage, with kindness, and with lots of wisdom and awareness. And see how it feels to do your mundane task in this way. Okay? Like you have all the time in the world. Like it really matters what you're doing. Mindful, kind, aware. All righty, beautiful. What was the difference? 
how did it feel to do the mundane task normally and how did it feel to do in this other way? Did you notice a difference? Would anybody be willing to say anything about what they noticed using the microphone? A little more energy. More energy. How did you notice that? Um, Because I kind of put my mind to it and I kind of manifested on how I wanted to feel and how I wanted to succeed in doing my daily activity. And what what do you think the impact would be on you if you did that with your mundane activity in your life? Um, It's a struggle for me personally, but Mm -hmm. I try. Yeah, And, and if you did that, if it was easy, if it happened more, would there be a benefit for that? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Somebody else? Great. The microphone right here. Can you pass it over there? Thank you. Um, at least for me, the mundane activity did not feel mundane anymore. And ah. I think there was because there was like a sense of gratitude that was brought to it. It was a very simple task, but you could appreciate it a little bit more. So the mundane task was no longer mundane. At least that's what it resonated for myself. Beautiful. Thank you. Anyone else? Great. Thanks for checking. I think we're good now. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, So I was washing dishes, and uh, it strangely came to mind what it might be like for the dish and the sponge (laughs) 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 to be washed. Uh, It was one thing. And then also noticing when I was getting kind of bored and frustrated with this, the silliness of having to do this rote thing and be like, oh, huh, you know, I'm feeling that as opposed to wanting to rush through it. So, Thank you. Thank you. Um, so for me, I actually picked a task that I normally hate to do. You know, I'm I'm just very like, oh, I really have to do this. Like, I don't have a choice. Um, the first time I did it, I definitely sensed that aversion in me still, you know, mm-hmm. where it was like my muscles were tightening and, you know, that sort of thing. But the second time I did it, it was more about, uh, you know, when you said courage, you kept saying the words, you know, courage, kindness, and being aware. It was really kind of trying to be gentle on myself and saying, you know, it's okay. It's... Mm-hmm. You have to do it. It's all right. Just love yourself for doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was very different, definitely. And what would it be like if this task that you did, that you don't like, but you did in this way by loving yourself, how would that affect your, your life? Definitely, I, would just, I just wouldn't feel, you know, kind of this whole aversion to doing things. It's just accepting that it's a, it's a part of me, it's a part of my life, and, you know, just accepting it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right there. I was also, I I was also washing dishes. And uh, when I was feeling courageous, I was imagining wiping away my intimidations, my fears, my anxieties, the things that hold me back. And it was, easy to felt easier to remove those things that prevent that inhibit me from Mm -hmm. being more courageous and then 
self-compassion I'm hearing more more empathy you know I'm hearing more connection to that which what we're doing and and the ability to imagine being that which we're doing I'm hearing more capacity for self-forgiveness for letting go accepting pretty cool in five minutes (laughs) imagine being committed to doing this one task every day mindfully and then imagine in a week or a month adding a second task that you do in this way with this kind of attention and care and so on and so forth and so maybe in a year you have five or ten or twelve things that you do in this way every day and you just slowly grow your capacity to be more loving more present more kind more aware in all aspects of your life And you start with what's easiest. You start with what's easiest. Would you like to sit down again? So I'm going to go back again for a moment to kind of the idea of this, the comparing mind or the judging mind. or the, We talked a lot about the sports commentator in the last couple of classes, that sort of voice that's always kind of there criticizing, right? And it sounds like there wasn't as much of that voice in this activity for people when they were doing it mindfully, yeah? That that voice kind of gets quieter because it's, the energy and space is taken up with this, you know, the courage and the commitment to being present and the kindness. So I would just want to highlight that because we, you know, it's really that commentator makes life very difficult. <laughs> and we lose sight of the beauty and the small things, you know. Um, and, and yet it is part of the human condition. So much so that there's, there's this, um, Joko Beck wrote a book, um, a lot of books, but I have a story from her, and she's telling a story about an. It's an old Zen story, and 
the, a student went to the master and, and said, please write something for me of great wisdom. And so he picked up the brush and he wrote the word attention. And the student was like, is that all? And so he wrote attention, attention. And the student got kind of irritated. <laughs> and said, you know, this, this isn't subtle. There's nothing profound. There's nothing beautiful about this, you know. And he just wrote it up. And well, and then the student said, you know, in frustration, what does this word attention mean? And the master wrote, attention means attention. And Joko Beck was saying that, you know, we should just think about, you know, attention as awareness, right? And that that is everything, our awareness, our capacity to be aware and how we're aware. So this, for me, this art of loving awareness, right? Being aware in this open way is the kind of secret to life and the heart of practice. But she says, most of us find these teachings disappointing, like the attention, attention teaching is somehow disappointing to us. It's not as big and fluffy and beautiful and sparkly as we're wanting. We're looking for something that's, you know, got a bigger price tag on it or something. And she says that when students would come to her, she'd hear complaint after complaint about the schedule, about the food, about the service, about her teaching, just people are constantly complaining and they're finding what's not right, what's not quite right. Because we do, we notice the negative. We overemphasize the negative. All right, the negative sticks like Velcro and the good stuff slips through like an egg on a Teflon pan. Right. But she says all these little things like, it, it, it's our moment-to-moment experience. That's where we live life. Right, that that's all there is. There's nothing more than this, nothing other than this present moment. There's no past, there's no future, there's nothing but this. So when we don't pay attention to each little this, we miss the whole thing. We miss the whole thing. Or we miss the richness, right? It's possible. So, let's break up into dyads, our last little dyads for the class. So please find a partner and set yourselves up face-to-face so you can share with each other. Right, so if you haven't already done so, please inter- you know share your names. All right. So the first question, um, and what I'd like you to do is answer one at a time. All right. And I'll um, maybe um, 
maybe actually one sentence at a time. So one person can say one sentence, then the next person can say another, and then, but it's around the same question. And the question is, sort of what benefits have you experienced either in this class or over the five weeks that we've been meeting? You know, what benefits have you experienced from this practice? Just one little thing at a time. Remember, little flowers and big flowers are of equal value, right? So please, um, and when you speak, um, you're sharing for yourself and the person can just receive. And when you're listening, don't try your best not to be planning what you're going to say, but just to receive the gift that's being offered, not comparing it, right? Just as much as you can, receive and, and then see what comes up for you and you share and go back and forth a few times. Please begin. Now, could you become groups of four or something close to that? Join with another pair. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. A group of six is fine. All right, so now what I'd like you to do is um, go around the circle and one, you know, one person at a time just say um, one barrier that might come up for them about continuing their practice, right? And one way they'd like to respond to that barrier. So it could be a barrier of time, it could be a barrier of resistance, it could be a barrier of fear, it could be a barrier of structure, whatever it is. Does does that make sense? So anticipating one barrier that might affect your, your coming back or continuing to practice, whether you do it here or elsewhere. And one way you would like to see yourself respond to that, maybe with courage, care, you know, kindness and awareness. Um, so it needs to be fairly brief. Um, so you don't have to overthink it, but I just want to give you a chance to sort of name and reflect in this way. So please begin. Yeah, you, everybody? Great. So thank your partners. And then we could just maybe stay kind of where you are and turn your chair toward the center since we're in our last few moments. Um, So there are a lot of flyers on the counter out here that show a lot of special events that are coming up. I do want to let you know I'm doing a half-day retreat on July 13th. It's a a Saturday from 9.30 to 12.15. So I'd be so happy to see any of you there. There are other half days. There are other day-long events. There's a um, a picnic happening, so a great time to come and socialize with the extended community. 
here, and that's coming up on June 9th. And again, all there's all these flyers out there for all these things. If you're in recovery, there's a great day-long coming up for a Buddhism and Recovery Day-long event on Saturday, June 22nd, um, with Qigong being offered and stuff. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of really wonderful stuff. So I hope you'll take time to look before you go, before you leave tonight, right? Sort of having completed this course and, and make a plan for when you're coming back next. Yeah. Um, and again, I do want to encourage you to try coming next Thursday night and meet Andrea Fella if you haven't done so already. And, and you know, how sweet it might be to have many of you who've been in the class see each other here, you know. Maureen will be here, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. So, there's half-day events. There's um, full-day like retreats that happen. There's social events. Um, there's like a, once a month there's a, a potluck. Once a month there's a tea on Sundays, you know. And then if it feels like too much, like that the half hour meditation is too long, remember it's okay to open your eyes. It's okay to take a break while you're here and just breathe mindfully. Just do what we did, the mundane thing of sitting, right? Just sit and be compassionate and caring and courageous or do three breath journeys for whatever amount of time or just relax, right? So you don't have to be able to easily sit. Or you can come in late. Come in 15 minutes late so you only have a 15-minute sit. Right? If that's what you need to do to come, do it. Because we would rather have you here and practicing and getting the support in a way that works for you. So, any final comments or questions before we end our lovely time together? Big breath together, maybe? (sighs) I do have a little quote for you to read. And then I'll ring the bell. And if you have questions or comments, you can come up to me afterwards. It's important for you to know that at IMC, everything is offered freely. You don't have to register for events. If you want to make a donation for the Sangha, there's donations to do that. If you want to make a song donation for the teachers, you can do that. But it's all offered freely. No expectations. We clean the Sangha ourselves. There's nobody paid here for anything. So you are the Sangha you choose to be all right this is a line from a poem called the more loving one by wh auden how should we like it were stars to burn with a passion for us we could not return if equal affection cannot be let the more loving one be me Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.